0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. it up to you live on the buffalo rumblings vidcast network i'm bruce nolan that's nate geary and for the final time this is food for thought a show combining two of your three favorite f words that's right food and football and the third f is finale Mm. mr geary How are you feeling for this final run?
2: Oh, well, uh, I have had COVID all week. Uh, So on top of feeling physically drained, I am looking forward to emotionally draining myself this evening.
1: Yeah, I just, I anticipate (laughs) things happening that I'm not going to be thrilled overall about. I'm just going to be like, you know what, maybe... Maybe not the best idea to be doing this after having a rough week, but you know what? We're going to go ahead and do it anyway. And you know, I'd like to say a special thank you to my wife's favorite pizza, Picasso's Pizza, because this show, like every show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network, of which there are plenty and will have other shows to entertain you in the absence of food for thought, it's presented by Picasso's Pizza. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. To the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's We Are Buffalo Pizza, shipping locally and nationwide. Order online at Picasso'sPizza.net. Nate, do you have a jenny handy by any chance? No, I wish. I feel like we should like got like a picture of us like clinking jennies together.
2: We could do that. We, we can do share. that, it just won't be it won't be relevant for the show's purposes, but for the fans no. it will be.
1: Absolutely. We'll we'll get a clinking, we'll get a clinking photo and we'll just like yeah. completely block out like all of me for something like yeah. that. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, obviously. Obviously. No, we'll, we did we'll that just before. put it. We'll turn Yeah, we did. We'll just turn you into a full-size emoji.
1: Maybe I can find like a Josh Allen like cardboard cutout and stand it behind Ooh. it. I like that idea. Yeah, I think that would work as long as Josh Allen cutout <laughs> was, you know, like big. We
2: we got some, we got some good comments to get to. Uh, the first one we got to do is is if Ro, is Wilson Senior, which is friend name. The fourth F is
1: <laughs> Is the F word. <laughs> the actual F word. The third <laughs> F, well it is it is two of our three favorite F words. That's right. Yeah, that all is, three of my F words. That right is here. true.
2: Kevin says he's watching from work not missing out on history. We appreciate you Kevin. Thanks for tuning in at work.
1: Castellan says the FBI should be the fourth F.
2: <laughs> it very well might be. We don't know.
1: You never know. It could be. We should get Jenny glasses and clink them together because Food for Thought has always and always will be proudly presented by Genesee brewing company since 1878 Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge in each pint can and bottle of their beer they make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience look for genesee beer genesee light cream ale and their specialty line with beers like ruby red kolsch and oktoberfest genesee brewery rochester new york as a reminder Hit all the engagement buttons. Head I up. know that it's not going to be for the future versions of this show, but it's still for the Buffalo Rumblings channel. It's still for everybody around the Buffalo Rumblings community. If you want to super chat us, any super chat, at or greater than $10 gets a Genesee Pine Glass follow at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Theory Sports. Proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow with your address, and he will send you a Genesee Pine Glass Nate, for the final time, we are going to introduce the Food for Thought drinking game. Everybody lift your glass. So raise a glass to the finale of Food for Thought with the Food for Thought drinking game. If any of the following things happen, you got to call it out in the YouTube comment section Mm -hmm. and you got to take a drink. If either host mentions their pet, if either of us mention our Dynasty Fantasy Football League, if there's a cat that jumps on Nate's lap during the show, if Nate Name drops a local Buffalo restaurant.
2: Which I'm going to do. The
1: third F of the show is some sort of item that's a subset of food, which we know it's not going to be this time. If there's a super chat. If the winner or loser of the week is some version of all of us. If I say what I mean by that is. If I give a fictional reason why my camera isn't working. Or if Nate openly Googles something during the show. Mm. Let's get going.
2: Let's do it.
1: Foods to finish off your day mm, mm. the reason why i picked foods to finish off your day is because sometimes people fall into a weird trap with food i don't know if this has ever happened to you Nate, but what you'll do is you'll have something savory sure. and you'll say i kind of need something sweet mm-hmm. and then you'll have something sweet and after you're done with the something sweet you're like i kind of need something savory and you can't find <laughs> the right food you're just to in end on right oh, it's just a never-ending cycle and all of a sudden you wake up and your doctor tells you you've got Heart problems, and you say, Doc, what happened? He goes, Well, you know, maybe you should stop eating cookies at 11 o'clock p.m., huddled over the sink like a gremlin. And you say, I just can't find the right food to finish off mm-hmm. my day. It's a little bit like when I was trying to come up with topics to end this show on. How do you come up with a topic that ends the show? So, this is a meta yeah, it's joke, it's a it's deep, it is a comment and a segment of the show that is about foods finishing off your day which is the segment we're choosing to finish off the show with it's great meta yeah there's layers to it it's almost too deep to conceptualize but you know i like it anyway nate i'm gonna let you start off foods to finish off
2: your day so i'm glad you you mentioned the savory sweet conundrum because i I, I probably mentioned it a hundred times on the show. When I go eat breakfast, I always feel like regardless of how delicious the item that I got was right. If it's a savory thing and I'm like, wow, this, you know, corned beef hash is unbelievable. You get done, Bruce. And what's, what, what do you do? You're like, ah, should've got a sweet thing.
1: Yep. You should've, should've got, got you think thing. I should've gotten pancakes with right. Rudy, Rudy, Tutti fresh and fruity.
2: Yes. Yes, and then you get just the pancakes, a stack of pancakes, and you're always just like, mm, that was fantastic, but I should have got the omelet, the steak omelet with this, and then had a side of pancakes mm-hmm. with it. You know, it's always this conundrum, you, you, it feels like you can't have both. This is not a problem for me, Bruce, when I finish the day. I'm not sure why it is when I start the day that I need to have both, but to finish the day, to me, this is a very simple thing. There was only one answer for me, Bruce. It's ice cream. It's how I like to finish my day, whether it's just getting done with work. Typically, when I'm thinking of finishing my day, it's 30 to 40 minutes before I'm ready to put my head down on the pillow. People might think that's a little crazy. Eating ice cream before bed, Nate, that can't be good for your metabolism. Well, part of this is the baby gets milk before bed, right? Well, Nate's going to get a little ice cream before bed. Unfortunately, though, if I ate ice cream uh, to end my day every day, I would be 500 pounds. So I don't eat ice cream every day before bed, but there is something to be said about savoring a, I am, Bruce, this is my biggest weakness with ice cream. I am incapable of having a small bowl, a small portion of ice cream. How, if, if, if I were to say to you, you're going to get a half gallon of ice cream and only you are going to eat it from start to finish. Miss Nolan's not helping. How many bowls do you believe that half gallon will get you?
1: Oh, so much. I, I can really eat large quantities of dairy. Oh, I my can't gosh. do it. I'll die.
2: So I would say a typical half gallon of ice cream, if I'm lucky and I'm portioning it, gets me four bowls. Oh. Okay. If I'm lucky, most I would say most of the time, three bowls is kind of my is my magic number.
1: Meaningful bowls.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Like. Heap like four big scoops and then kind of, you know, like the additional whatever I'm going to throw on top. So and especially when you're talking about like Perry's ice cream, which you know all about, Bruce, right? Because you're a Buffalo local um, Perry's ice cream, Perry's ice cream tends to add. So like I'm a big Panda Paws guy, right? You know, moose tracks. Um, and I have found that Perry's when they dump the ice cream in. The the the, the peanut butter cups aren't equally you know, dispersed throughout the ice cream. So I have to kind of go to a corner, go to the middle and then dump corner middle. You're trying to keep every bowl, like with an equal amount of chocolate fudge and, uh, and peanut butter cups. So for me, there's something incredibly relaxing about savoring a bowl of ice cream, you know, putting it down, feeling a little bit full from it, and getting ready to just end the night that way. So for me I, there is not really another answer. There isn't really anything else. I don't like to eat before bed and I don't really like to um I don't really like to drink a lot of water before bed because then I have to wake up and pee 100 times because I got the the bladder of a 75 year old. So um yeah, I'm I'm going with ice cream and and I'm interested to hear if you're a savory or sweet guy to end the night.
1: So first off, I'd like to admit one of my oh so many flaws. When my wife and I are eating ice cream, which is not very common because, as mentioned, large quantities of dairy is absolutely horrible for me. But when my wife and I are eating ice cream and there's a peanut butter ribbon in the ice cream, which you all are familiar with, I have a bad habit of digging out the peanut butter ribbons before I hand the carton back to Mrs. Nolan. And then she'll look down and look back at me very slowly and. Give me a side eye and say, Did you just go through and pick out all the peanut butter? Is, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that what just happened? You're leaving me with ice, just plain vanilla ice cream because all the peanut butter has been skull scooped out. Just like, like I'm like a I'm like an excavator, right? Just going down and getting, digging through, you know, digging through the pile for the football. You gotta dig through the I, I can't help it. It's subconscious. It's almost it's it may be my worst quality. I mean, that and how loud I blow my nose, I think, are my worst qualities for Mrs. Nolan. If you were to ask Mrs. Nolan if she could change two things about me, it would probably be the fact – well, two things probably be the fact I can't sleep with the television on and the fact that I blow my nose loudly. But if it was three things, it would be the peanut butter and the ice cream for sure. But for me, the ultimate finish-your-day food is a glass of water. (laughs) Just a a throwback. I got to just throwback to one of the original episodes of Food for Thought. A tall glass of water. The original one of the original Food for Thought inside jokes. Just a gigantic inside joke for all the listeners who have been here since the beginning. And for me, it's gonna sound very strange, but it's my multivitamins, Nate. I take my multivitamins in gummy form like any real man does like a a real man, like a real man. Cause I'm, 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 I'm a grown man and that's the way I take my multivitamins. But when I do that, when I take my multivitamins in gummy form, I'm completely satisfied for the rest of the evening. I'm good, Like that's a perfectly fine way for me to finish off the evening. I have my gummy multivitamins. I feel like, you know, I did it. I did the thing. And so that's my food. To finish mm. off the day.
2: It would be. Yeah.
1: It's multivitamins because I'm old. And that's the way it works. Going to the comments section. Jed says, typically don't drop in on a Friday due to family time, but I want to say hello. And this show will be sorely missed and just and came here just in time for the glass of water. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Cam says, Bruce, i you're a monster because I yeah. dig out the peanut butter, and he's he's not wrong. I absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. Uh Kevin says caramel corn is the balance of sweet and salty. The trick is actually stopping eating. I don't know yeah. how you live with that stuff in your teeth. I at the yeah, end of the I, night. I would kill myself. Did
2: we talk about this last this this was a this was a previous episode I think I brought up caramel Surely corn. Sure at up, some point. I brought up kettle corn. Yes. Um and yes, the the trick is trying to stop eating it. You know, you remember those big tins that you would be gifted during oh, the holidays? Oh, at
1: Christmas. Oh yeah. yeah I still get yeah. those tins. I, I mean, don't what are you anymore. used to? Some don't of us get still anymore. get those tins.
2: I wish that I got those tins because here's the funny thing, right? So, like, what's your standard flavors in there? Let's say, and it's usually kind of it's in always third, cheese, right?
1: butter, and caramel.
2: Yes, cheese, butter, and caramel. Thank you. That you clearly, yeah, you must have just finished one. Um, <laughs> I'm working on one now, Nate. But it would just for me, it, it'd be so funny because what would happen is I would eat all the caramel first, and then you'd have the butter. You'd have the two savory left, and when a real, a smart person would eat one savory, then go to sweet, and then finish savory, so that it's all balanced. Um, not me. I would finish all the caramel corn first and then I would reluctantly go to the cheddar and then the butter would just sit there and get really, really disgustingly, uh, um, stale. And then, and then I just wouldn't eat the buttered one because you can just eat, you know, non-warm, non-fresh buttered popcorn any time of the week. Uh, but yeah, the tin to me, the tin is the quintessential, um, for me, it was always my, my cousin. So, uh, when I was younger, I used to go to my cousins a lot. Um, he's the same age as me. So we used to, you know, go in the yard, put on the plastic helmets and play football in the front yard, but like a full game, I would also call the game. Um, so it was, it was a unique dynamic and he would always have, he would be gifted the tin from his grandmother. That's not on my side of the family. So I didn't know them, but he would never eat them. Um, so I, you know, I obliged, I, I would eat it every year. So it's like I got my own, but I never had to pay for it. Lest we forget, Kevin.
1: The eggnog.
2: I should have got some. for. You should have got occasion. some. For the occasion. I really should have. Maybe I should have drank some eggnog for the occasion.
1: I feel like you definitely should have. Absolutely. Mm. Cam says that halfway through, he removes the divider between the different wow. flavors of popcorn. And he lets chaos ensue. That's a little too This much is removed. my kind of guy. Cam no. just wants. Listen, Nate, some That's men just want to watch the world burn.
2: Okay, Ken Dorsey, relax. All right, chaos, ah. relax.
1: Don't forget the digestive cookies.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my wife Karen, was talking to my knows show mother well. earlier this week, and she reminded her that I made a comment about the digestive cookies, and my parents were the ones who called me old. So that was a uh, – Yeah, well,
2: that's tough. Uh, <laughs> that's tough. tough. <laughs> it's
1: real tough. Real tough when you're getting dunked on by your dad. That's uh, it's pretty bad, not going to lie. Nate, if the upcoming off season was a food, I'm going to tell you what I think kind of food it would be. Okay. It's the steak that you make for your father-in-law the first time. Mm. You see. Sketchy. By the time you've made steak for your father-in-law for the first time, you know your father-in-law. Nobody does that the first time you meet your Mm father-in-law. You've known your father-in-law for a while. You've probably already married his daughter at that point. And so you have a good relationship with your father-in-law. You've been through some times together. Sure. You probably have at least a few positive memories and you're like, well, thankfully I got married and I, I I past all the other people that I used to date and I settled down with this one. I like this one. This one's awesome. And then I have all these connections to that side of the family, all these emotional ties now to that side of the family, but I still got to make the stake. And listen, I know we've been through a lot together and things have gone pretty well. I mean, I did marry your daughter and that's great. But somehow I can't help feeling like I can still screw this up if I make a bad steak.
2: Yeah.
1: For somehow sure. I feel like this is a really important moment that really shouldn't be that important of a moment because I already married your daughter. Like, we already have positive you memories. Get, you can't
2: get rid of me, anyways. You can't so.
1: get rid of me, right? So, like, I shouldn't be feeling so stressed out to make sure that my steak is good right now, but for some reason I am. And that's the way I feel about the upcoming off season for the Buffalo bills. If this upcoming offseason was a food, it would be the steak that you prepare for your father-in-law hmm. because Brandon bean has done really good things. I wrote an article for Buffalo rumblings that got a, a, a decent amount of traction earlier this week where I went through Brandon beans, what I would consider to be a lull in talent acquisition. Since 2018. And I opined that since 2018, four Buffalo Bills players have been acquired. Four through free agency or the draft that I consider to be slam dunk, 100%, resign them as soon as possible. Players Daquan Jones, Mitch Morse, Tyler Bass, Sam Martin. Mm. That's it. Are we, really, are, are we ready right now to throw the bag at Gregory Rousseau? I'm not. He could he could mm. become that guy, but I'm not ready to throw a bag at him. You're going right to throw now. a bag at Ed Oliver? No. Nope. Okay. Now, we threw the bag at Dawson Knox, but are we 100% sure that was a no-brainer? Because he's not being utilized like it.
2: It's not being utilized like it.
1: So, no. are any of these players 100% throw the bag at? Because the one person he a- attained that was like that was Stephon Diggs. That was via trade. But the goal, when you sign Josh Allen... When you have a franchise quarterback, you have to start preparing for the ideal. You have to get surplus value. Yep. You have to get low-cost Ws. You have to hit a home run on an off-speed pitch. Yeah. That's what you got to be able to do. On a curveball. On a curveball. So the talent acquisition has hit a lull for this team. And that's what reason why it, it kind of snuck up on you. You're going along, you're going along, you're going along. All of a sudden, you turn around, the cupboard's kind of bare. And yeah. you're like, I mean, this is a really good team. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't start hitting some dingers, you're going to get passed up. I'm not sitting here saying the Bills are a bad team. They are not. They're a, they're going to Super Bowl contender walking in the door in 2023. But the more off-seasons and more off-seasons you go where you don't hit any dingers, yeah. the farther and farther back you slide. That's so right. singles and doubles are good. And there's been lots of singles and doubles. You got to hit a dinger or two. So if this upcoming offseason was a food, yeah. it is the steak you're preparing for your father-in-law, because even though you have a great relationship with your father-in-law, for some reason, it still feels really important. You get this right.
2: Yeah. I love the singles and doubles uh, an, uh, analogy, Bruce. And the funny thing is, is my 2015 world series champion Kansas city Royals team that I grew up loving They actually won a world series hitting singles and doubles and playing small ball. And they're one of the only teams in the last 25 years to, I think they're, they're the first team since like the 80 something Bray. I I can't remember the exact team that won a world series hitting less than 15 home runs during the playoffs. They just, they didn't hit home runs. Uh, And that's, you know, as you know, in baseball, it's a home run league and, much like in the NFL, you got to be able to hit some home runs on some off-speed pitches. I love I love the analogy, Bruce. Let me tell you a little bit what I believe the upcoming offseason, uh, if the upcoming offseason was a food, what it would be, Bruce. For me, it would be a peanut butter and jelly that someone else at someone else's house is making you. And oh. it may not be the way you like it, Bruce. It may not be your favorite ingredients, right? The Bills might go into the next into this off season and they may not come back with all of your favorite ingredients. It may not be Jordan Poyer. It may not be Tremaine Edmonds, right? But you still have the crux of the ingredients. It's, it's the core of the sandwich. You're still going to, and you know what, Bruce, maybe they got like whole wheat bread and like they, all the ingredients that you really would never build your ideal peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That might be what you're kind of walking into, right? It, you might get raspberry jam, chunky peanut butter, and whole grain bread, and I'm going to tell, that you, what, I still- Nate, I tell oh, you that sounds delightful, Nate.
1: I got to tell you. Oh
2: God, it sounds like my prison. <laughs> it sounds like I'm in a prison of my nightmares with that sandwich. Jesus. I would eat the
1: crap out of that, Mrs. Uh, Nolan. If you're listening, chunky peanut butter, whole wheat, multi grain bread. Ra- yeah, sure. Let's give it a shot.
2: And worse off, it's raspberries, but it's got all the seeds in it. So you're just the whole time you just. You're just you're just spitting out seeds yep. into someone's carpet, you know, like that's, that's what I envision that sandwich looking like, but it might also be like, like, and I, I view that sandwich as a, a team and a defense without Poyer, without Edmonds, an offense that may not feature, you know, or may, may have a completely different remade offensive line, which maybe would be a good thing. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're still getting the PBJ. You're still getting the same bills team with Josh Allen, with the team that is in, still in the Super Bowl window. So although it may not be the exact sandwich how you would make it yourself at home, it's still PBJ, and even if it doesn't have all those things, you're still going to like it in the way that you like PBJ. If you like PBJ, you kind of like all PBJs, but you have your way of doing it. And I kind of view that the same way that I view what this offseason could mean for the Bills and what they look like in 2023. That's a good one. I think I saved my best one for for the last one.
1: Kevin's with me. Chunky plus Mm -mm. multigrain plus raspberry. Here's
2: the thing guys. I Island. am super super basic about this. But
1: you're a basic I, you're a basic I, mate?
2: I almost want wonder bread. Like you I said think that I want... last
1: time and I let, yeah. I, let it, I let it slide man.
2: Yeah, I think I want fresh wonder bread from 7-11. Uh <laughs> no, it doesn't matter where <laughs> from it's from. I just know that you, you can get it. You said fresh and
1: 7-11 in the same sentence, dude.
0: <laughs> I
2: just Is know that, that allowed? Uh, Are we allowed to do that? I'm actually not even sure if, like, Wegmans has Wonder Bread. I don't even think they do. So, like, I know for sure 7-Eleven has Wonder Bread. But it's got to be creamy PBJ, uh, creamy peanut butter for myself. And I'm just a classic Concord Grape Jam guy. All right. Just classic Concord. It could be – what's – what is it? Smuckers? Is that who makes – who, who's the most generic brand of jelly yeah, Smokers, you can think of? Smuckers, Is it Smuckers? Okay, yeah. So, so uh, give me the Grape Concord Smuckers with Jiffy, creamy peanut butter, and what? Like, talk about the most basic, like, kindergarten-level peanut butter and jelly sandwich you do can you get. Do you
1: cut it That's diagonally?
2: Hell yeah! Absolutely. Uh, I do eat the crust, though. I do like the crust.
1: I need you to understand, Nate, that the first time in the history of Food for Thought, I am going to have to edit down something that you said because your <laughs> hell yeah was so loud that you actually just cut <laughs> did I audio. It? did i break it i'm literally you literally just clipped in audio I'm i am sure going to, for the first time in the history of this podcast i'm gonna have to deal with an audio clip in post-production and it's gonna be because nate said hell yeah about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich
2: at pb and j sandwich by the way that has wonder bread and uh is the most basic breakfast the most uh, basic sandwich ever mike says for a foodie needed some very basic tastes here's the thing about me is i'm i'm nostalgia driven right and there there are things for me especially when you live in buffalo and now where i live i open my window dude i get front row seats to whatever they're making over at general mills i mean the the, the other morning i woke up as i was going to my car Holy cow! Fresh Lucky Charms, and you could tell it was Lucky Charms, man. You're just like, ah. Oh. And there's something about that sandwich, Welch's. By the way, I think Welch's is really the one that, I, and I agree. I think it is Welch's. Hold on, let me Google. I got to Google what the cover looks like.
1: Got to Google. He's googling. Welch's. Everybody drink. Let me make sure. I just want to. I got to.
2: Yes, no. Welch's is the right one. Welch's is the right. Let me look at the Smucker's one though, just so that I. Smucker's jelly.
1: Do we have to drink twice? Did you Google twice? I did. I did
2: Google twice. I think think
1: that's two drinks.
2: By the way. Yeah. The, the, the sugar-free red raspberry reserves, uh, preserves. I mean, one time my parents bought that and I literally threw it away because first of all, don't you dare come up in up in my house with sugar-free jelly, like get (laughs) the frig out of here with that. Okay. But more importantly, uh, yes, I am, I was a Welch's guy. So thank you guys for, for putting that on the record straight. The Concord Grape Welch's was the money move for me. And, and I did tell you guys, though, in high school – well, actually, elementary school through high school, um, the PBJs that they'd offer at school during school lunches were triple-decker PBJs. But it was white bread, creamy, with Grape Concord. So, like, it was kind of like my perfect – That that's the nostalgia I get is just thinking about – you know, back when I was a kid, and there's something I don't know. It, it's it's not weird, right? Like it's it's like it brings you back a little bit to the simpler times. So that's that that there. It's peanut butter and jelly, um, cereal because I don't really eat cereal as an adult. So ever, anytime I do, I I, I like want to go with something that's going to kind of instantly bring me back to a kid. So you know, for me, it's um, uh, was it's no? I wanted to say Smuckers, but Smuckers is the jelly, uh, Honey Smacks. Oh, okay. Honey smacks? Okay, honey um, smacks. I'm familiar. Op- obviously, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a big one for me. Um, Captain Crunch, uh peanut butter, peanut butter Captain Crunch, and um Lucky Charms. Like those those are the ones for me, the super sugary, delicious cereals. They bring me back to, you know, like simpler times of my life.
1: And I'm over here eating grape nuts.
2: So <laughs> <laughs> listen. I, I will say, though, grape nuts actually might be the most nostalgic cereal. And I'm glad that you brought it up because that was my dad's cereal. And when you're a kid, what do you want to do, man? You like, want to emulate your dad, you know, like dad's at the, at the kitchen table eating his grape nuts. I was like, oh, I'll try some grape nuts. I was like, oh, is this cereal or did I just eat a bowl of nails?
1: I love great nuts, man. <laughs> Me too, dude. I freaking love it. I'm a million years them. old. We established from the digestives last week that I'm a thousand years old. One thousand, yeah. One thousand. Hmm.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prof G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune into the future of entrepreneurship of Pod Special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prof Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, Good let's time. go ahead and move on because the idea this one's going to generate some conversation. I think the idea of bringing back both Bill's coordinators
2: mm. makes me feel like Nate. You want to start? So, yeah, sure. Because for the first time on this show, I'm not going to make a food reference.
1: Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Wait, it says food yeah. simile. Uh,
2: Are you breaking the rules on the last I, show? I am breaking the rules. You
1: can't be held responsible. That's what this is.
2: That's exactly right. There's nothing you can do about it. We're live. You can't cut me. You, you can cut me off, but it's not going to you Yeah, I can throw um, you out of the room, but I'm not going to. Do. So, Bruce, the Bills potentially bringing back both coordinators makes me feel like I'm taking crazy pills.
1: Okay, Zoolander reference. We're doing that thing. Uh, Nate is currently, for those of you listening in podcast form, Nate is currently alternating between putting his hands up to his head while making a puckering motion and throwing his hands out to the side as if he is a white, furry animal in a gif with his palms toward the air. Like, what? 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 What?
2: Why? So last year... I felt as though they scapegoated the special teams coordinator a bit. Were were the Bills the number one special teams team last year and has their new special teams coordinator done a great job? Absolutely. I mean, the special teams I've actually thought took a step this year. Um, So maybe there was more than just, Hey, the kickoff should have stopped at the goal line. You should have kicked it over and 13 seconds. Doesn't happen. Blah, 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 blah. Right. But I think there were more fundamental issues with 13 seconds last year, two years ago now, I guess we, we could say, um, And it felt a little like they scapegoated the special teams coordinator when I think there was a lot more at play, especially when McDermott and the team kind of just, they wanted to move on and they didn't want to talk about it. And I think for fans and maybe for the media, sometimes maybe the media takes this stuff and and, and makes it more than it is. But there was something that never sat well with me about not wanting to talk about it and not wanting to feel like there was a level of accountability at play other than to say the special teams coordinator's got to go. And fast forward a year and we watched the defense and we talked about Daquan Jones and what a great, you know, pickup he was. We watched this defense, you know, I think had signs of this, Bruce, like going leading into that game that like, maybe they just weren't the same unit. And obviously they missed Micah Hyde a lot, but, and, and obviously they missed Von Miller a lot, but I think for me, Bruce, Scapegoating Jimmy Salga- um, Salgado, who, by the way, I, I know mo- he, maybe he's not a household name. Uh, I know I know Jimmy personally. We golfed together a few times. Um, he was probably given the worst hand you could possibly be given as a as a position coach, right? Um, you were given the keys to the Titanic, the unsinkable ship, right? M- Hyde and Poyer. I mean. What could be better than getting the keys to the Hyde and Poyer show? Who cares who was behind him, right? And then Hyde goes down in week two, week three, right? Against Tennessee. And then the rest of the year, Jordan Poyer plays banged up. And, you know, the iceberg hit the bottom of the ship and the unsinkable ship sunk. And I don't think that it's Jimmy's fault that the unsinkable ship sunk. I thought DeMar Hamlin. Before obviously before the tragic injury and before the, everything happened, frankly, was kind of showing he might have like a future as this team's long-term answer at safety when one or both of those guys, Hayden Boyer, are gone. Jaquan Johnson wasn't good. And I'm not sure that he ever would have been good. It doesn't matter who the coach was. And, you know, they moved Cam Lewis. And I thought Cam played good enough for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience playing safety. And they bring back Dean Marlowe, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you know, we, we know the story about the safety position. I'm just not sure unless there was something more fundamental at, 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 stake throwing Jimmy under the bus to say, well, this is our move. I think was the wrong thing. It's the wrong message to send because it feels like you keep addressing things that aren't the root issue. I am a big, big Leslie Frazier fan. I think from the time he was a player, to, I thought he was an underrated head coach, was given kind of a, a crap situation in Minnesota. And I think he's maximized and done a lot of tre- a tremendous things since be- being named the defensive coordinator here in Buffalo. But like anything else, Bruce, sometimes you just you get everything you can get out of something and it's time to move on. And I think for me, I, I just think like it's time to move on from Leslie. And it's not to say that they won't move on from him because he has to renew his contract. Um, they could end up saying, you know what? Thanks, Leslie. It's been great. And we're going to move on to bigger and better things. They'll they'll never say bigger and better things, but you know what I mean? And that's without me talking about Ken Dorsey, which I I, I feel like, I feel like it's time for them to move on from Leslie Frazier. And I think they need someone younger. I think they need someone who's maybe willing to be a little bit more. Here's the magic word I'm going to use, Bruce, multiple. Right. Like I feel like they just get so obsessed. Somebody else mentioned Eric mentioning this. And I thought this was great, right? Like it's always gets caught up looking for the perfect call, looking for leaning on the things that they know. Right. And and playing off coverage a lot and playing a lot of zone, but drafting a, a press man corner and not using him. You know, just these things that these little tiny little pressure points. Until eventually you fold. And I feel like it was the combination of a lot of things. They folded in the biggest moment. And they folded in the biggest moment last year. And so you can have the number two defense in DVOA over the course of a year. But when it matters and you fold, well, then I have to wonder: is there something that can someone that can get us past the fold point? And that's where I am with you know, with Leslie Frazier and then with Ken Dorsey, Bruce. I don't know, man. Like part of me wants to say give the guy a really good offensive line or at least a better offensive line that he had and maybe get him another weapon. And, and maybe then we can truly evaluate Ken Dorsey. Part of me, and then that, that, so that's one part of me, Bruce. The other part of me is you get him those things and we end up in the same place. You've wasted another year with Josh Allen as your quarterback. So there's a, that that's a, to me, the Ken Dorsey conversation is a much more nuanced, a much more difficult conversation to have than the one about Leslie Frazier. Because I think it's very black and white for me with Leslie Frazier. I just think you've maximized everything you can maximize. Move on. And frankly, Bruce, I want someone that Sean McDermott's going to trust to move away a little bit fundamentally from the Sean McDermott defense. And that's not a knock on Sean's defenses. But Sean's defense has gotten to the mountaintop or gotten close to the mountaintop and haven't been able to finish the job. So for me... Like I, I, that that's where I am on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think that there's a way deeper fundamentally like nuanced conversation to have about Ken Dorsey. We don't have to do that here tonight, but I, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm like, I'm taking crazy pills. If we're not talking about trying to upgrade the defensive side of the ball, not through player personnel, because I don't, I think the times of this defense being as good and as talented as they are, are gone. And is anyone here, Actually in belief that Leslie Frazier is going to be able to elevate a unit past what they are on the field, who they are as players, elevate them and get them to play at a higher level than maybe they're capable of doing. I'm not sure because I think he's done a great job with really great players, but I think the next phase of this defense is going to be the hardest, Bruce.
1: I think that it's important to note uh, side note that uh, we have conflicting information on whether or not Leslie Frazier's contract is up. Uh, John Walro of the Associated Press said that, uh, according to him, Leslie Frazier's contract is not up. Ooh. But we had previously heard that it was. So yes. we have conflicting reports on that. But I guess we'll find out pretty soon. But for me, I'm going to stay on topic because I'm disciplined and that's what I do. And so... I am going to take the idea of bringing back both Bill's coordinators mm. and I'm going to make a food simile about it. And I'm going to tell a story. I'd like I to tell a good, you guys. I a story. love a good brew story. And I've never told this story before on this podcast. I don't think I've ever told this story before. It's about the first time that Mrs. Nolan and I had Turkish food. See, Mrs. Nolan, when she came and became Mrs. Nolan before she was the future Mrs. Nolan. She didn't have a lot of experience with significant cultural foods, right? She wasn't really a Mexican food person. She had never had Turkish food. She only recently had Thai food for the first time, like last year. And so I've been introducing her to a lot of these things. But the first time Mrs. Nolan had Turkish food was quite an experience. It was a Sunday We had just finished up church and we were driving around and she said, Oh, you want to, what do you want to do for, for food? I said, I have an idea. Let's do Turkish. And let me just tell you, Nate, let me just tell you that Mrs. Nolan is maybe the most pleasant, warm individual I have ever met in my entire life. She's almost never upset about anything. She mm-hmm. almost never gets mad ever. She threw a fit about really? having Turkish food. She hmm. was so upset, Nate. She was so upset about having Turkish food. She was so cranky about the idea that she was going to have Turkish food. Hmm. It's unlike her. Very unlike her. We. It hasn't happened before or since hmm. that has happened. It was a unique moment in time that was Unlike any other Mrs. Nolan moment. Well, we finally had Turkish food. And when she was done, we came back out to the car. We sat there for a second. And she said, I feel like I owe you an apology. Hmm. I actually kind of liked Turkish food. (laughs) It wasn't too bad at all. And we've had it a couple times since. I tell you this story to say that part of me thinks to myself that I really want to throw a fit about the Bills bringing back both coordinators because you kind of want to see the emotional part of you want to see wants to see change when things yeah. like this happen. You want to see mm-hmm. change, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, am I just throwing a fit?
0: Mm.
1: Have I have I have I experienced everything I'm going to experience? Is there something more that I haven't experienced that I'm throwing fit about? Is there a 2023 version of this defense that looks different than the 2022? Am I getting ready to walk into the exact same defense again? Mm. I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I don't think there's evidence to suggest you're not, though, Bruce. I would agree. I don't think that the idea that you're going to get a fundamentally different (sighs) defense this time around is probably much more likely to be inaccurate than it is accurate. Right, But I find myself asking myself whether or not I'm just throwing a fit. Because mm. later on, question. Mrs. Nolan would tell you that she was just hangry. She was just hangry. Sure. And that's the only reason why that happened. Am I just hangry when I do this, Nate? Am I too close? Am I just being hangry? Yeah. Because I... Agree it's a with fair me. question. It's a fair I question. I think that there's a very reasonable argument to be made that this defense has been as good as it's ever going to be under mm-hmm. fisher I really do. I think it's a very reasonable argument, and I don't, I don't think you can really make a strong argument against that. If you want to make an argument that the defense is okay the way it is, and that really holding the Bengals to 27 points isn't really as much of an issue as only scoring 10, I can get behind that too. I- I probably could, if do. you want to make the, if you want to make the argument that the defense is still good enough to win you a Super Bowl, I can, I can get behind that argument. I can, but what I can't get behind is somehow the defense is going to be better,
2: right? It's so, not, it's the, the, it's, I would almost say it's physically impossible for them to be better.
1: So for me, I look at this and go, okay, I have to balance these two concepts. I have to balance the idea that I've never had Turkish food before with the idea that it could be something great. So I'm sitting here going, okay. Where do I fall in this? And I feel a little bit the way Mrs. Nolan probably felt when I told her, "Hey, we're gonna have Turkish food." She's like, "Okay, I'm, I'm gonna throw a fit, but w- hold on, wait. Is it? Is it really gonna be that bad? Like, is it? Is Turkish food really fine? Is it really fine? And I'm just throwing a fit about something else. Is it really fine? Am I? I, I don't really know. I think that there's a scenario for me when it comes to coordinators where I'm not going to be mad either way. If they fire Leslie Frazier, or if Leslie Frazier's contract is up and they don't renew it, and that happens this weekend, I'm not going to be mad. No, I agree. If they if they bring it back, I'll go okay. But uh, I Mm -hmm. I mean, all right. And that that right there is the spot that Mrs. Nolan eventually got to. She got to. I mean, okay. I I'm I'm not you know I'm not a Turkish food fan, but all right, I guess I'll I'll try it. And that right there, that's where I'm gonna be.
2: H- had had she had Turkish food before though? No, never. So I think that's that's the one interesting part of this conversation, Bruce. Is Miss Nolan had a preconceived mm-hmm. bias against Turkish food for whatever reason? Maybe she's had something like Turkish food. Maybe she's. Seen Turkish food and said, There's no way I would like that, right? But with this situation, is this is like having Turkish food at 50 different restaurants and feeling like you know what Turkish food is, and there's no way Turkish food is going to surprise you, and there's no way Turkish food is going to exceed the very baseline expectation that you have set based on experience. Therefore, that's that's the interesting nuance to this is like it's like you feel like you know the food if you feel like you've had it prepared 50 different ways but you still get the same result at the end and I think that's the the most difficult part of this conversation is listen I, anybody wants to talk about Ken Dorsey and I think there's a lot of people I think there's a little recency bias behind Ken Dorsey but I also think that this offense did not look like the offense last year at any point other than a Pittsburgh defense. That was riddled with injuries. Like that was the only game that you felt like, "Ooh yeah, mm-hmm. this is the Dable offense, right?" And then you didn't get it again. And and there was multiple games in the twenty twenty one season where you're like, "Ooh, this is the best offense in football. Uh huh, it's the best offense in football." And I don't think we've ever said that about the defense. But that was okay to me. You mm-hmm. to me, you didn't need the number, You don't need the number one defense in football to win a Super Bowl. Kansas City's proven that, right? Heck, the Patriots have proven that. They've just got a really good scheme that they fit guys into every year. That's why I'm not asking the Bills to go find the next Bill Belichick. Good luck. But I do think that there are ways that scheme can elevate players. Look at Lou Anarumo. I mean, Eli Apple?
1: So good. Mike Anarumo, Not Eli Apple. Lou Anarumo. Lou Anarumo is, is... Is amazing. We talked yes. about it a couple of weeks ago before the first Bills Bengals game. And because that game didn't last very long, I don't think you really had an opportunity to see it. But Lou Anna Rumo, the fact that he's not getting head coach interviews is it's staggering absurd. to me. It's, it's absurd. just absurd. And it's
2: unfortunate for us that we're gonna have to deal with him for another year as that defensive coordinator before he finally gets some interviews. Yeah, he's darn good. His scheme, his preparation, his game plans have elevated players. I'm so, listen, Logan Wilson's a good linebacker in the NFL. He's as good as he'll ever be because of the defense that he's in. Wow. Eli Apple, he's had a pretty underwhelming career up until this point. And frankly, it's not like he's a shutdown corner in, in Cincinnati. But he's he not even a good corner in Cincinnati. No, but he is completely lost in the shuffle. You don't talk about Eli Apple because they never get to throw it to him because they do such a good job. Of 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 like hiding their weaknesses amongst the defense because of how good the defensive coordinator, how good the scheme is. So, you know, yeah, I I think that you have a real point, Bruce, about you know, in this analogy with the Turkish food. I think you also have a real point about the 27 points. I think you would have probably listen, if you told me in pregame, Bruce, that the Bills would give up 27 points, I would think that the Bills could win that game seven or eight times out of ten.
1: Yeah. And that's something we're just not talking about.
2: I would agree with that. We aren't. I I, I think it's so hard because it was so clear clear on how quickly the the defense was dominated in that game with no answers. Mm -hmm. And then you saw the first two drives of that game before the DeMar Hamlin injury where it looked Mm -hmm. exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And then you saw a week prior. And part of this conversation, Bruce. Is the blueprint conversation. And this is what this is what frustrates me the most about Leslie Frazier is the blueprint idea. We watched three consecutive weeks, maybe two most notably, of Tua getting absolutely dominated by one specific type of defense and what they were doing. That was the 49ers and the Packers. They were funneling everything to the numbers, they were literally turning and facing the sidelines like literally not allowing the receivers to come inside and let Tua get free releases on the inside, right? Yeah. Two straight weeks, we saw that. And that and that offense looked completely out of sorts. The Bills didn't follow the blueprint. They did what they did. And they almost lost that game. They gave up 29 points to a team that hadn't scored 29 combined points in the previous two games. So it's the blueprint idea to me. And then you have the blueprint in the week prior, with the Baltimore Ravens, the last two weeks, who stifled the hell out of that offense. Now you can just write it off as well. It's the second and third time they're division rivals. They know how to play each other, right? Chargers, thank you, Richard Rush. The Chargers with a bunch of backups from Notre Dame, like Lodi Gilman. For God's sakes, he wasn't even good at Notre Dame, and he was shutting down the Dolphins' offense. And then he come to Buffalo, and we give up twenty nine points. But it was to me, Bruce, that. You watched in the second half when the injuries that Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa happened, that the Ravens went from pressuring and blitzing Joe Burrow 16% of the time to five. They did not get their hands. They did not touch Joe Burrow in the second half of that game. Joe Burrow on the offense only had a field goal in that second half. And yet the Bills I, – I, the reason – I texted you. I said, hey, how many, how many percentage of dropbacks did the Bills blitz Joe Burrow, just
0: 23%.
2: And they blitzed more than just the 23% of his dropbacks. There would have been blitzes in there that didn't count that were run plays, right? They blitzed, Bruce, the guy you don't blitz. And I know that you feel like you gotta get home. You gotta get your hands on Joe Burrow, but you don't. And if you watch the game last week, you know that and you'd have the blueprint to do it. You gotta, and that to me was the most frustrating part is the blueprints available to you But maybe you're too proud or you are too stuck in your ways of this is my defense and we're not going to change who we are fundamentally. We're going to force teams to change what they do with what we do. The problem is, and I feel the same way about Ken Dorsey, Bruce, is they get stuck in principles. They get stuck in concepts, right? You run cover two. Well, we're going to run our smash. We're going to run our smash concept, right? We're going to run our deep corner route and our flat underneath and we're going to conflict that cover two corner. Sure,
1: which is how it's, that, it's how it shows up on the whiteboard, right? That, that's, that's, right. How it's, exactly, that's how you beat it on the Bruce. whiteboard.
2: It's exactly right, right? But there's more to that. There's got to be more than that. It can't just be reactionary. Everything reactionary on the offense. It was and has been all year. I feel like there's a lack of reaction on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that really stood out to me last week was the lack of of, of changing what they do. Right? There was no oh man, these free releases are killing us. We've got to interrupt the timing. If we're not getting Joe Burrow, we have to interrupt the timing. And they didn't, they refused. And that was their downfall is being stuck in their ways, which is to me why I'm open to the idea of finding someone who is maybe more willing to try something new, to say, I know what I do really well, but man, right now it ain't working and I got to change it. And that, that to me is the biggest reason why I think I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm kind of—I'm mo- ready to move on from the Leslie Frazier experience, while also respecting how good of a job he has done in the post. I think that there's two conversations there, Bruce. It's not just I'm angry and I'm going to react, and Leslie Frazier's the worst damn defensive coordinator I've ever walked through the door, right? That's not my conversation. I think the conversation is respecting someone who has done something in this league for a prolonged period of time at a high level. He's coached defenses, the top five units in multiple seasons, and I respect the hell out of that. But sometimes it just gets you only so far, and I think that's where I am. Sorry for the prolonged rant. But I think it's, it's such an interesting conversation. I'm glad that it ended up being kind of like our wrap-up topic for this.
1: Kevin says, Frazier has a tendency of we do what we do and not actually game planning against the opponent. What you will f- see is that the calls remain similar against an elite opponent and he just adds checks. Mm-hmm. He adds that, lots. That, of checks. That's,
2: that's the preparation. Yeah.
1: Right, that's the preparation. It's not actually different calls. It's just different checks inside the calls. Um, so yeah, I think it's a perfectly, perfectly good reason. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to add anything to it. We've, we've gone on about that topic enough. We're going to move on and we're going to go to an email. Ooh, love and the email. Jeremy sent us an email and said, Hey Bruce, I just want to say thank you to both you and Nate for food for thought. I know how draining it must have been on both you and your families and friends, though, you know, friends is for Nate since you don't have any. So given my time is committed to my wife on Friday nights, I never joined you live, but it was a fantastic listen over the weekend leading up to the game, so I fully understand wanting the time back. I know that odds dictate that the pod would end on a sour note as anything other than a Super Bowl victory mm-hmm. would have been quite painful, but this game felt particularly unpleasant. I think I'll need to look for a hobby that isn't reliant on other folks like the Bills players and coaches to further fill the time and enhance my mentality. But I'll always love listening to you and Nate having some insane banter, even if I'm yelling at my speaker for Nate's mispronunciation of foie gras or <laughs> it's wah he says, regarding breakfast sandwiches oh, on God. the latest episode. I sincerely hope we get a few drop-in episodes in the future that kind of surprise us in our timeline. But if not, it's been an incredibly fun ride. Anyway. Apologies for the rambling nature, but just want to express my gratitude for all your time and effort. All the best, Jeremy. So we are going to polish off Mm. the final episode of Food for Thought with winners and losers. Mm. And we're going to do winners, and then we're going to losers, and then we're going to wrap up. And because I'm a gracious host, I will let Nate have the last word on this show this evening before I... Do the the sign off, but we will start with winners and losers from the NFL in this week. So we're going to start with me, and I'm going to have mm-hmm. the winners. My winners is the Carolina Panthers. Frank Wright's a good head coach, guys. He Frank is Frank Wright is a good head coach, and the situation in Indy was weird as crap. It's always been weird as crap. It's just trying to cobble together a quarterback situation by going down to the AARP and grabbing somebody. That was just the Indianapolis experience Mm. for the last couple of years. And now he gets to take over as head coach of a team that has the sixth overall pick and will very likely be able to pick a quarterback Mm -hmm. this year. If they want Will Levis, he might be there. If they want Anthony Richardson, he'll probably be there. Heck, CJ Stroud might be there. He might. So there is a reasonable chance That at the end of the next couple of years, if they get the quarterback pick right, Indianapolis goes, oh, gosh, we had Frank Reich and we botched it. Mm. Frank Reich is a good head coach. And so for me, the Carolina Panthers finally got it right. They finally got Mm. it right after the Matt Rule experience. And I think that for a team that didn't have the quarterback or the coach, they have a chance to get both of them right
2: in the next couple of months. Nate, Mm. winner. All right, my winner, Bruce. I'm gonna. I'm going off the beaten path again. Uh, the the winner here is me, Bruce, and let me tell you why. Uh, I got to spend uh, two years uh, every Friday night hanging out with uh, with you. And oh gosh, I said I wasn't getting emotional.
1: No, no, you're getting emotional. It's gonna happen. Just just um, let it. Just let it come
2: getting to know you and, and building a great friendship with you on these Friday nights has been a great, just a, it's been a great thing for me, man. And I appreciate you. Woo. And I, 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 I really mean this. You turned into one of my very best friends as someone that we don't actually hang out and talk with all the time. Um, but I appreciate, I, I love doing the show with you, man. And it was, it's been a hell of a ride, bro. Woo.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate it much. I said I wasn't going to do it. The, the loser of the week. So you did it on winner and I'm going to do it on loser now. I'm going to do it on loser. So the loser of the week is all of us. So make sure you go ahead and drink because that's part of the drinking. But really, it's me. I'm the loser of the week. Now, I want to share with you guys something that I don't think Nate and I had ever talked about this before on the show. But Nate and I's first meaningful experience with each other Hmm. was Nate getting introduced to the Nick and Nolan show. That's right. From Matt Perino, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And we had a show after the big pivotal game where Josh Allen got yelled at by Brian Dable and he (laughs) threw a bunch of second half picks. That's right. And the title of that podcast was Josh Allen was bad and that's okay. That was the name of the podcast. And we talked about how progress is not linear. And Nate listened to the show and liked it and invited me to be on Sports Talk Saturday. And I want to share with you guys something about this. And this is an interesting moment because I don't think, I think Nate has normalized something that I don't think you will catch if you don't pay attention to it. And I want to bring it to light. And that is this. Nate is legitimately part of the actual mainstream media, right? He's an actual radio host in Buffalo on WGR 550. Nate does not owe me anything when it comes to an opportunity to be on his show and to speak to a broader listener base than I had previously. It's not as common as you think. People ask all the time why you don't see content creators more in mainstream media. And the answer to that question a lot of time is because those people aren't Nate. That's the reason why. Nate doesn't owe me jack squat. He never has. But he showed me grace when he didn't have to. Because it's never been about ego for Nate. It's just been about getting good content out there. It's not about who said the thing It's not about it's my words. It's just about good content. It's just about good entertainment. And you don't understand how rare that is. Mm. Because when you work where Nate works in the real mainstream media, even though the people at WGR are awesome, they're awesome. They've always been awesome to me. But anybody who's lived anywhere else in the country, and I have, I have been exposed to many major media markets. They don't make them like Nate out there. And I need you to understand that it's not like this everywhere. You have an opportunity to see him the way I see him. Because that was the beginning of my respect for Nate. Because grace is not something given frequently in the sports media world. It is cutthroat. It is dog-eat-dog. It is backstabbing. It is a absolute nightmare sometimes. And I sound so mad PJ, because I'm passionate about this topic. That's the reason why I'm passionate about this topic because sometimes it's really important that we see things through other people's eyes. And I want you to see Nate before he takes this done. I want you to see him through my eyes. I want you to see him the way I saw him because Nate and I are very, very, very different people. We are very different people. It says at the bottom of this section, cold hard facts and fresh hot takes. I'll let you figure out which one of us is which. (laughs) We are very, very different people. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We don't have to be the same in delivery of content. We don't have to be the same. Nate never cared about it. Why should I? All he ever cared about was having it be good. And that's just not that common. So that was the beginning of the idea that Nate showed me grace when just it's just not that common. That was the beginning of my respect for Nate. Nate and I have gotten a chance to know each other a lot over the last goodness gracious. That was what five years ago, Nate. Indeed, it's
2: been a few, buddy. Five it's years been a ago, few.
1: and then when I went to Nate and said, Nate, I'm going to not do a second episode of Bruce Exclusive. I'm going to do a, a second show, and I I, I need, kind of think I maybe I need a co-host for the show. It's got to be very different. And you know this area. What do you think as far as co-host? Nate said, what about me? He just sent me a GIF back in the DM of a person sheepishly raising their hand going, um, me? That right there. FBI bro- jots down that Bruce has feelings. <laughs> Bruce is compassionate, FBI jots down. Bruce is a gigantic softie, is what Bruce is. Bruce is a gigantic softie. The the, the running joke is that I'm a robot. Anyone who actually gets to know me will know that this could not possibly be farther from the truth. I am a ginormous softie. And so I want you all to see that because that's what I see. And so I am a loser this week. Because I get to do that less. I get to interact with Nate less now because of this. Now, I hope that we find a way to stay, make sure we stay rotationally connected. Of course. And I have a feeling that he'll pop up on the Bruce exclusive. And I may be fortunate enough to pop up on Sports Talk Saturday here or there. You never know. We may have something in the plans. You never know. For free agency or the draft, you never know. Something might happen. But I am a loser Because everything I just told you gets to happen less now because of this.
2: You're killing me, guy. You're killing me. Um, Well, I don't really know how to even, you know, respond to that. So I'm going to have a tough time getting through my loser. But, um, you know, I've had a, uh, you know, not the easiest last, like, couple of months. Um, this show has been kind of a really good outlet for me. And, uh, yeah, there's no way I'm getting a loser by the way. So we're going to have to skip loser for the last one here. That's buddy. Fine. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional wreck. I, I, I told myself I, I would try not to be, but I knew, I knew that I was going to be, um, especially cause I'm a little loopy. You still got COVID, but, um, yeah, this, this show, uh, you know, becoming better friends with you throughout this whole process has been, Um, a real joy. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to have we're definitely going to have some stuff in the future. So this, you know, Bruce and I are going anywhere. Um, But the other thing too, is, you know, as much as I, as much as I love Bruce and and I love this show, um, you know, all the people that tuned in all all the time are regulars. This was probably the most fun I've I've, I've had um, doing this. Um, I've, I've had a lot of, you know thoughts this year about do I want to continue doing radio stuff and doing everything that I do? It's you know it, it wears on me, but doing the radio for ten years, if you can believe it, since I was twenty-one years old, somehow, some way, I've been doing it for that long. Um, and and this show kind of brought me back to really enjoying what I do and enjoying this. And as much as Bruce is a part of that, um, all you regulars that are uh, you know coming in on your Friday on your Friday evening and um, you know. Having our random weird, I mean, this, come on guys, we're kind of a group of weirdos. Let's, let's be real with each other for, for a second, since we're in the real mode. I don't know a lot of people that tune into a food and football podcast and, uh, and, and have inside jokes with each other. I mean, we kind of established inside jokes, uh, you know, like in the first episode of the show, <laughs> um, glass of water. And, and they just, they snowballed for the entirety of this show for in two years. We had the, the weirdest inside jokes and if there was somebody new that came in, you guys told them about it. You brought them in, and I, the the inclusivity of this show um, has been super cool. I, Bruce, you mentioned you know your your thoughts about me and and how you know it's different than maybe in other markets, and and I do agree. You know, like this market is unique. People want to hear from podcasters and and other content creators, and it's not like that in every market, and. Um, This group of people that uh, that got together every Friday or tuned in on their Saturday or whenever you tune into the podcast, um, special group of people. And, uh, you know, I appreciate every every single uh, every single one of you.
1: RJ says, I just want to say thank you for a great show for the last two years. You guys created such an entertaining, unique show that turned into something special. So thank you for the last two years. Thank you from me to you. To all the normals, to all the non-normals, to all the (laughs) abnormals, to all the regulars and the irregulars, I want to say one last time to every single one of you that I hope that you enjoyed your time over the last two years with us. I hope that you had a laugh. I hope you enjoyed every single second of it. I hope you can hear me clearly when I say thank you. But most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.